Okay. There you go. Hallelujah. Blessings and honor to all of those who are on the line. We're going to begin the Threshing Floor Biblical Studies tonight. Uh, and our song today is going to be, I Can Begin Again. And we ask that you would listen to it with an open heart as we seek the Father for direction in our individual lives through the Word of God. Deadline tomorrow. And your computer just crashed. It's switching time. The Chromebook that protects you from security threats online. First, the built embarrassment session.
blessings and honor for all of those who are on the line. As we rejoice in the praise of that song, uh, that's a song of encouragement for today. Um, as we um, begin, we're going to begin with a word of prayer. And before we pray, we're going to recap what has already been taught uh, in this three-part series. Um, the first scripture that the Holy Spirit gave me uh, dealt with uh, the God of our balance. And in order to overcome the obstacles in life, the believer's responsibility is to replace the God of their belly and make Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, the Lord of all. And so in Philippians, the third chapter, we're warned by the apostle. And he said, the end, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. So in Lessons 1 and 2, we were able to determine that because our directives are to mind earthly things, because our steps are pursuing our appetites, uh, the things in this world that God hates, uh, it has separated us, even as believers, from making Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives. And so as we go into this last and final lesson of destroying the God of our bellies, we're going to focus on beginning again. Because it's important that if we're going to go from where we have been, and if we're going to allow the word of God to change us, we have to know how to what? Begin again. Amen? And so we're going to ask uh, Apostle Tate to give us a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into the word. Amen. Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, God, hallelujah, uh, to meet us, God, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, to have your way on this line. We ask you to bless the speaker in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, because this is the day that you have made and we're rejoicing, we're so glad in it. We thank you for your presence because you said, well, there's two or three gathered together in your name that you are in our midst. Lord, you told us to ask and that will you do that the Father may be glorified in your Son. And God, in the name of Jesus, God, we ask you to bless the speaker. Oh, God, let the seed of your word dwell in our hearts, God. Let it revelate to our mind, our soul, our intellect, our reasoning, our decisions. Oh, God, that we may make the right choices, God, in life, in the earth realm, that will bring you glory. We thank you for Yeshua HaMashiach, your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who hung, bled, and died for our sins, and better yet, rose again on the third day with all power, heaven and earth, in his hands. Oh, and sending back your precious Holy Spirit to who leads us and guides us, who comfort us and empower us to be witnesses, hallelujah, unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in the name of Jesus for our children and our children's children. We pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, for the infants and those from zero to 30 years old, God, hallelujah, who was pressured and, and kidnapped and, and mistreated, mishandled. God, we ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, to comfort those babies. 
in the name of Jesus to to strengthen your people, to strengthen the new millennium generation, God, hallelujah, to give them a mind that's focused on you, Lord, to draw them by your Holy Spirit. You say, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto you, uh, unto me. That's what your word says, God, and we're standing on your word, Lord. We're lifting you up, God, that, hallelujah, men may be drawn to you, not to ourselves, Lord. We ask, God, in the name of Jesus, for a special anointing, Lord, to be witnesses so that in these last and evil days, men can know that we can begin again, that there are new beginnings in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. For you told us in your word, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. And you said the word now, which is the unit of time that you operate in now. Hallelujah, shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And God, we thank you, Lord, hallelujah, for leading us to the rivers and bringing us out the desert. In the name of Jesus, that we may be able to give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank God and amen. Hallelujah. Back into your hands, woman of God. Amen. Amen. And so we thank you for that prayer. And we're going to get right into the Word of God. As in life, there are many casualties. It's important that we know how to begin again. And so the casualty of the believer and of the leaders in the body of Christ has been that we have been servants to the God of our belly. We have known of God, we have loved God, but we have served the God of our belly. And we know that we have done this because we have focused on earthly or temporal things. And if you notice in the body of Christ, for at least the last 20 years, very few people minded or was mine was on heavenly things or the gifts of the spirit. You saw fewer and fewer prayer lines where the anointing was supposed to be transferred and we began to want um things more than we wanted the presence of God. Or we or we wanted the life of other people more than we wanted our own life. And we learned in Lessons 1 and 2 that these things stem from desires that may have been placed in us, what? From childhood or desires that have been placed in us from who? Leaders that have not died from the God of their belly. And so as we go into Lesson 3, we want to recap some scriptures for those that missed Lessons 1 and 2. And the first scripture is Philippians 3.19. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. It says, whose fate is destruction, whose God is their belly, their worldly appetite, their sensuality, their vanity, and whose glory is in their shame. You know, some people, the whole glory of their life is how many women they can sleep with or how many men they can sleep with or who whose wife they can trick into bed or whose daughter they can take away her virginity or vice versa. Uh, There are even grown women who are seeking to violate young boys 
that haven't matured in their minds. They want they want them sexually, uh, even though it shouldn't be named among believers. This really happens in the body of Christ, and so whose focus their mind on earthly and temporal things. And so for a long time, the body of Christ and its leaders has been focused on temporal things. And the Bible tells us that the end of that mindset is what? Destruction. Not just physical destruction, but destruction in your spirit man. Destruction in your relationships, destruction in your community, and in the nation in which you live. The second scripture that we went over was John, the seventh chapter, verses 38. And I'm not, I'm not going to read them all, but I am going to give them to you. Then we read in Jude, the first chapter, verse 12. It says, Lord, grant that we may feed ourselves without fear, that we may not make a God of our bellies. Hmm. That's a powerful prayer. Yes, it is. Because fear will cause us to to want to go after everything that we think we're not going to get or that we think someone else is going to take care take from us. And you know, these fears are not without warrant. Yet yes, we have been enslaved Yes, we have been treated. We have been mistreated. Yes, some of us have been lied to. Some of us have been deceived. Some of us have been cheated on. Some of us have cheated. Some of us have cheated God. Some of us have lied to God. So the fear is real. Our government has lied to us. Uh, our, our pastors have lied to us. Our leaders have lied to us. So God understands the fear. But look at the powerful prayer that Jude prayed in the first chapter, verse 12. Lord, grant that we may not feed ourselves with fear, that we may not make a God out of our belly, that we won't allow the appetites and the things in this world to cause us to be our lifestyle. Hmm. Only in the sick mind of humanity do we take something that has violated us and make it into a lifestyle? You have thousands and thousands of people who proclaim that as children they have been molested. And so then they live a life of whoredom. And they use the excuse that they have been molested for their whoredom. You have thousands and thousands of people who say, I was sexually taken advantage of by a man and I'm a boy. And so now... I'm going to make myself gay. And we make the violation into a lifestyle. We take something that was meant to be just a temporary place in our life, not a place where we were supposed to dwell, and we allow our bodies to feed the appetite of that thing, which begins to become a what? A God. And that's why the Bible warns us about the God of our bellies. Because the more that we feed it, the bigger the appetite becomes. And it becomes so much bigger till it's greater to us than God himself. And we are not allowed to see God as bigger than our appetites, as bigger than our desires. And the only reason why we can't see him that way is because we have not been what? 
filled with that living water. And so the living water of God is available to all believers. It's available to anyone who is willing to be what? Filled. And how can you be filled with the living word? How can you? You have to be willing to submit yourself to teaching. You have to be willing to submit yourself in prayer. Um, And prayer is something that opens up your spirit, and it opens up your dependency upon God, and it allows the Holy Spirit to come into your life and redirect you. So how do we get from the spirit world what we need in the natural? We get it through prayer. The God of our bellies teaches us to get things through greed, through the things that God hates. And so there's a scripture in the word of God, and I'm going to read it to you in hopes that it will help you identify with where we get this from. And this is going to be found in Proverbs, the sixth chapter, verses 16 through 19. And we need to deal with this in our lives. If we don't deal with this in our lives as believers, we will not overcome the God of our bellies. In Proverbs, the sixth chapter, verses 16 through 19, it says, There are six things the Lord hates. Seven are detestable to him, faulty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And you may ask, what does he mean by that? What is he saying to us? If you notice in Proverbs, the sixth chapter, verses 15, we learn that it leads us to see that a troublemaker and a villain who gets about, who goes about with a corrupt mouth, who winks maliciously with his eye, signals with his feet and motions with his fingers, who plots evil with deceit in his heart. He always stirs up conflict, therefore disaster will overtake him. In an instant, he will be suddenly destroyed without remedy. And that's Proverbs, the 15th chapter. And so we have to be so careful that we are not ones to participate in these things that God hates because he promises us that the end of that is destruction. And we are all here in prayer. We're all here in the world. We're all seeking the one common thing, and that's to be loved. We're all seeking to have the love of God made known to us and to give the love of God. The next scripture we covered was in Luke, the 12th chapter, verses 16 through 34. And we learned about how the storehouse and how we have to be accountable 
for what we do with everything, not just our physical bodies, but what we do with our minds and what we do with our talents. A lot of people have the misconception that by going to church and church alone that they will be rescued from their decisions, and they're looking for God to rescue them without changing, making the exchange of the God of their belly. And so there is no rescue for anyone who does not make Jesus Christ Lord of their life in their belly, in your appetite, in your decisions, into what you behold as beautiful. There is no escape. The only way we can escape the wrath of God, the judgment of God, is through true repentance. And true repentance is when we make up in our minds and in our lifestyles to do things God's ways. And so we ended last week in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, where we discussed how everyone was invited to the wedding. And although everyone, it says, go to the highways and byways and compel them to come, everyone has been invited to the house of God. Everyone has had the table made and prepared before them. And so we're going to read that again tonight, and then we'll get into this week's lesson. And it's important that we understand that what happened here in Matthew, it wasn't it wasn't a nice thing. It wasn't a nice thing because everyone was invited to the wedding. Everyone came, but everyone wasn't allowed to remain in. And the reason why they weren't allowed to remain in is because they refused to change their garments. And so it's not enough to be in the house of God, to hear the word of God, to eat at his table, and not allow him to change you. There's something that happens when you're sitting at the feet of God, when you're sitting in the presence of his word. There's something that happens in your mind and in your intellect And ultimately, it's supposed to change your heart. So if you're in a place in life where you feel like you're hearing the word of God and nothing is changing for you, I encourage you to to examine your appetite, to examine the God of your belly, to examine is God really Lord in your life or are you just seeking to be rescued from your bad decisions? Because there is no escape from bad decisions without a renewed mind. There is no escape from anything that we do without the change or the exchange of lordship. The Bible says that out of our belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. This is the promise that we have. It tells us in John the sixth chapter, verses 27, that we should not just labor in life for meat or things that perish, But we should labor what? In the spirit. How do we labor in the spirit? We labor in the spirit by our private time and prayer or for going for godly counsel. In Psalms 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, 
that man does meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the what? Rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. And so there's a fruit that will come from your belly. There's a fruit that will come from your life as you surrender and submit it to what? The will of God. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, it says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I'm therein to be content. And so we learn from that scripture that the believer's responsibility in salvation is to learn to be content. We must be content. Everybody's not going to be married to Beyonce. Everybody's not going to be married to their pastor. Everybody's not going to be married to their deacon, or everybody's not going to be married to T.D. Jakes or Joel Osteen, Paula White. We're not going to have our idols. God has not given us what we idol to serve him. He's given each and every one of us what's best for our individual lives. He will have no other gods before him. And so if we are a woman that idolizes basketball players, 99.9% of the time, you're not going to get a basketball player for a husband because God will have no other gods before him. If you're a man that idolizes women, more than likely, you're not going to get the woman that you seek after with your flesh. It must be someone who makes you change on the inside. It must be someone who helps you to grow in what? The spirit, because ultimately God is concerned about you making your spirit man rule your fleshly man. Amen. In First Timothy, the sixth chapter, verses six through ten, it says, "But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment." Let us be therein content, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after that they may, that they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And so this is warning. Paul is warning in his letter to Timothy. He's warning him that, yes, you can be successful in ministry. Yes, you can be successful in life. But you cannot make your money the God of your belly. You must be content with the lordship and the discipline of God. What is that lordship and that discipline? God deals with us in our senses. He deals with us in our sight. David said, I will set nothing before me that will cause me to sin against you. He deals with us in our appetites, our tastes, the things that we desire. He deals with us in how we treat one another. He tells us in Matthew, the sixth chapter, that we are not, Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21, that we're not to lay up for ourselves treasures upon earth where moth and dust do corrupt. He also warns us in Matthew, the 19th chapter, about a rich man entering into the kingdom and how difficult it will be for him because he's able to buy 
and sell anything that he wants because his money has become his what? His God. Not that being rich means you cannot be saved. It means that you will have a different struggle because will you consult with God about buying a new car if you can just go pay for it in cash? Will you ask God if you should go buy a building or do these things if you can just go right out and pay for it? Most people who can do those things, sometimes they consider financial advisors, but many of them don't. Many of them just do what it is that they want to do in the desire of their heart, and they have convinced themselves that it's right because they can financially do it. But those who do not have those resources, they spend more time seeking the best deal. They spend more time seeking uh, the right answer and seeking the guidance that may be necessary for them in the long run because we only see what we want temporary. We see it right before us. And our appetites inside of our bodies determine how we're going to get it and how we're going to go about getting it. And when we think about going about getting things, we have to determine that we're not able to get those things based upon our bellies, based upon what it is that God wants us to do. We must make those decisions based upon everything that is in what? The word of God. It will never lead you astray. If you ever have a decision to make, it's best, even as a leader, even as a preacher, even as a pastor, it's best to seek godly counsel and it is best to seek the word of God. Because what if you go to a leader who gives you bad advice? What if they tell you to do something that is contrary to what? The word of God. You won't know it if you don't have a relationship with God or if you don't know the word. Someone will tell you that it's okay to do certain things, but God is not wavering in his decisions. He says it, he expects us to obey it, and that's pretty much it. I know people think that it takes like a deep revelation to walk with God, but the truth of the matter is, to overcome all the evil in your life, the only thing that it takes is a relationship with the Word of God. If we're willing to open our hearts up and our minds and receive the Word of God for what it is, without trying to change it with our culture, without trying to change it with our appetites, our desires, or what we want to be in life, we are able to grow in leaps and bounds in the word of God, and in the direction of the Holy Spirit that will lead us through what? The word of God that we know. Many people, many feel like God is not speaking to them, that God is not answering them, and they are unaware of his voice because they have not adhered to the word of God. And so it's important that we develop an appetite for the word of God. In James, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 7, we learn about what we need to do with our hearts and how we need to be patient and how we need to receive 
from God, the latter rain. It is something that comes from the Holy Spirit. And we're not able to determine when we will be filled with that latter rain outside of seeking God through prayer. Many of us give up too fast. In 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, we're going to begin to read. While we look not on the things which are seen, starting at verse 18, but on the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so when we make a decision, we need to make sure that we're understanding that it may seem like a temporary decision for us, but it will have everlasting effects on our life and our future and even sometimes the lives of other people. Like those who refuse as leaders to preach the truth of God's word. That means every person that has ever sat under their teaching that has not been taught the word of God correctly has entered into a life of compromise and sin. And then they take that life of compromise and sin into their communities and they begin to teach it to the community as a whole. And then the community thinks that it's in a place with God where it's not. And so the whole community ends up being what? Left out of the will of God all because a preacher decided that they wanted to incorporate their lifestyle from the God of their belly, their appetite, and change the message of God. This is so dangerous, and this is something that we as leaders must always be in repentance of, making sure that when we don't know, that we tell people we don't know, that we don't give them our opinions, that we are willing to spend time with the Father and in the Word of God so that people will get the true message of the gospel and not our culture, not our race, not the community in which we live, or not even the world in which we live. Because the Bible declares that all of these things shall pass away, but the word of God will what? Last forever. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, it reads, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In Psalms, the 19th chapter, verses 7 and 11, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yes, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. So we learn that when we make the exchange to be converted, 
because Paul tells us that we are not to preach until we have been what? Converted. He says, after you have been strengthened, strengthen your what? Brethren. I'll give you that scripture. One second. And the problem we have in the church is not that people have not been called of God. It's not that God hasn't given them the call. It's that we have not learned to wait until we have been taught or converted by the word of God. And so a lot of times you'll see someone that has what a lot of Christians like to say, zeal. They have excitement for God, but they don't have the discipline, the convertedness. They have not studied the scriptures. They have not made him Lord of all. It's not that they don't believe in God. It's not that they don't believe for salvation. It's that they have not been taught. So in Luke, the 22nd chapter, please turn it down. It tells us in verse 32. Well, let's start with verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to shift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brethren. And so it's, it's hard to tell a believer who is in a test that the enemy is trying to shift them. The first thing they will say to you is, God knows my heart. He understands. He knows I'm a good person. I lie to you not as a minister, as a person who has lived life. Every time I said that, I was in sin. I won't even look at other people. Every time that I said that, I was in sin where I was operating out of the God of my belly and not allowing the word of God to change my lifestyle. And so when you hear believers run to the understanding of their heart and they're in leadership, if you are an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, it's at that moment that you should try to restore them to making the word of God their heart's decision and not their emotions, not their feelings, not their fears. When we counsel men and women of God, we must be willing to redirect the heart, the emotions, and the fears of not just ourselves, but those who we counsel with the word of God. We must be willing to direct their hearts to what? The word. And not anything else, not our culture, not what anybody else is doing, not what our denominations are preaching, not what any denomination believes, or what is the goal now in the world? What is the thing going on? Amen? In Psalms 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. 
Psalms 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalms 119, verse 140. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. So when we speak about love and we speak about loving God, if we do not love the word of God, then we don't love God. He is not absent from his word. It's not some parts of his word that is valid. All of his word is valid, even the parts that we don't like or that necessarily make us have to change our decisions. In John, the 8th chapter, verses 31 through 32, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen? So the apostle is explaining to us that the only way we can be true is if we believe in Jesus and we continue in his word. We have to make the conversion. We have to make the exchange. It's it's really happy when you realize that God wants to utilize you to be a minister or he wants to utilize you in business, uh, whether it's in the secular world. Uh, all of us are not called to work in um, the church, but we are all called to be witnesses for God wherever we work. Some of us are called to work in Babylon, and he needs strong witnesses in Babylon. He needs men and women who will not compromise to win contracts. He needs men and women who will not compromise to sleep with other people who they're not married to. He needs men and women who will honor their families when they're at work, honor their relationship with God, and honor the call to the ministry. Uh, Just because you don't hold a position in the so-called church, it does not mean that you're not a minister. And so we all are ministers of reconciliation. And so that we don't end up sleeping with our sons or our daughters in the gospel because we're called to win souls to Christ, it's important that we learn how to be an effective witness. And being an effective witness means not just believing in God and telling others about God, but living in a way that shows forth our salvation. And Isaiah, the 12th chapter, verse 3, with joy you will draw water from the springs of salvation. So salvation is something that should bring forth joy in your life. Isaiah 35 and 6, it says, Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue will shout for joy. For waters will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So if your life is dry, if there's no joy in your salvation, May I submit to you today that it is because you are living out of the God of your belly. You may have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in your life, but you may not have learned by being converted by the word of God how to live out that joy, how to live out the flow of the word of God. And the reason why you haven't 
is because you have not fallen in love with the word of God. And in order to fall in love with God, you must love God's word. Uh, there was times in my life when I was really lonely and it bothered me. And the only way I could make it through those times was listening to the word of God as I slept. And the more that I slept, the more that I found out when I woke up in the morning, I, I had been strengthened. It was like, even though it was the audio Bible reading itself to me, I woke up with a different attitude. And after years and years and years of hearing the word of God continually and making that my bed partner at night, I began to be strengthened in my joy. So I'm not teaching you something that I think might work. I'm teaching you something that I know works. Amen? In Isaiah, the 55th chapter, verse 1, it says, Come all of you who thirst, come to the waters, and you without money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Isaiah 58:11. The Lord will always guide you. He will satisfy you in his sun-scorched land and strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Ezekiel 47, verse 9. Wherever the river flows, there will be swarms of living creatures and a great number of fish because it flows there and makes the waters fresh. So whoever the river flows or wherever the river flows, everything will flourish. And so we learn that God has desired to give us his Holy Spirit. And he says, out of our bellies will flow rivers of what? Living water. How do we get this water in our bellies and take out the God of our bellies that we're warned about in Philippians, the third chapter? Let's go to John, the seventh chapter, verse 38. It says, let's start at verse 35. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, 37. John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Are you thirsty today? Are you tired? of being unsatisfied in your walk as a minister? Is sharing the gospel or living for God become a burden in your ministry? May I submit to you that you have begun to live out of the God of your belly. But God offers to you, even if you're a minister, to come and drink. If you're just a born-again believer, come and drink and be filled. It says in John 7:38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. What is flowing from within you? Will you be honest? Think about it. As we begin to come to an end and we're learning the word of God tonight, ask yourself, what is flowing from me? In John 7, chapter, verse 39, it says, By this he meant the Spirit, who those who believe in him were, were later to receive. 
Up to the time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. And so, because he had not died yet, he was preparing them to receive something that would exchange in their life. And that exchange will be made not in their faith in God, not in whether or not they believed that there was a God. These were devout men who followed Jesus everywhere. They believed in God. So don't tell me how long you've been saved, what position you hold, who you think you are. If you're unpleasant in your walk, in your lifestyle with God, and your life is a struggle and your yoke and your burden is heavy, then there is something going on inside the lordship and in your relationship with the king of kings and the lord of lords that needs to be addressed. And that can only be addressed through the word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to come inside. So that brings us to our point tonight. How do you begin again? You begin again by receiving the Holy Spirit and by adhering to the word of God. So it's not enough to be moved by the spirit. Sometimes you may hear somebody sing a song and will it will move you to tears. Sometimes you 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 go through real godly sorrow where you hear a preacher or teacher teach and you're moved to tears. It brings you to a place where you realize, excuse me, that there's something missing in your life, but that's still not enough. And we learn that through these scriptures right here. And we're going to have to turn to these last two scriptures before we end. I'm sorry, I'm pulling them up. I don't have any help tonight. (laughs) Yes, you do. I've been here all along. I could have read for you. (laughs) No, I mean, Tabitha normally helps me, but she's not down. Okay. So in Acts, the 19th chapter, and we're going to start at verse, I think, 8 it is, or maybe it is 1. I don't know. I'm pulling it up now. And I'm going to be reading out of the NIV Bible. Uh, Thank you, Apostle. Um, It tells us in Acts, the 19th chapter, it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, What baptism did you receive? They replied, John the Baptist. Paul said John baptism was a baptism of repentance. Now catch this. He told the people to believe 
and the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were all about 12 men in all. And so we learn through this one passage here that it is possible to be a believer and not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people believe that they were filled when they were baptized. Some people believe that they were filled immediately. But the baptism of repentance alone is not enough if we don't want adhere to the word of God and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the great thing about the Holy Spirit is, is all we have to do is ask. That's all we have to do. So if you're on this line tonight or you're listening to this Bible study online or on the radio, just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit and ask God, to come into your heart, come into your life, and be the God of your belly, to be your leading and driving force, to exchange your unholy appetite, your unholy desires, your unholy thought processes with the Holy Spirit. You can make the exchange. I don't have to be there. No minister has to be there. But because the Holy Spirit was given to us by our Savior, it is something that we can receive immediately. And we're going to read John, the 14th chapter, verses 15 through 17. It says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and you will be, and will be with you. So what is the prerequisite of receiving the Holy Spirit? Most people miss it. It says, if you love me, this is Yeshua telling us, keep my commandments. So if we are willing to keep the word of God, we have a guaranteed promise that the Holy Spirit is very present with us. Amen. In Ezekiel, the 47th chapter, verses 9, we read about the river flourishing in us, that river is the Holy Spirit. In Zechariah, the 14th chapter, verse 8, it says, and on, and on that day, living water will flow out from Jerusalem, half of it toward the East Sea and the other half toward the Western Sea alike, meaning there, there will be no discrimination. So it was prophesied of the Spirit being released in the earth. It wouldn't be discriminatory. Like you can't say that you can't have the Holy Spirit because you're a woman or you can't have it because you're a man or you're a child. It's without limitations and it's without 
Racism is also without sexism. <laughs> he pours out his spirit upon all who believe and obey his commands. In John, the fourth chapter, verse 10, it says, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God who is asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you what? Living water. And then if we go down to verse 14, for whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a fount of water springing up to eternal life. And so there's an eternal life waiting for you. There is something that can flow from your belly, and it can flow without limitation. And that something is the Holy Spirit. And all you have to do is be willing to be a believer and be willing to ask and be willing to drink. He has promised us that whosoever will, let him come and drink freely. Will you drink today? Will you begin a new life in your ministry? Will you begin to add new life to your personal life? Will you treasure that which God has given to you freely? And if you will, John 4.14 promises us that if we would just drink, just receive it. It's as if we were standing in the same room right now and I handed you a cup of water. You could just be filled just like that. It's not something that is uh, hard. It doesn't require a person be present. It just requires that your faith be present. Amen? So as we Amen. come to a close, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray that those that hear these words will receive the Holy Spirit. And we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit will have its way in the ministries that God has given unto us and that the leaders will receive an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians, the first chapter, and I'm going to read this from the Message Bible, and we'll be coming to an end. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties and punishment, chalked up by all our misdeeds, and not just barely free either. We are abundantly free. He thought of everything. He provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything will be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in the deepest heaven and everything on planet Earth. Verses 11 through 12. It is Christ that we find out who we are and what and why and what we're living for. 
Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designs on us from glorious living, part of the overall purpose and the working out in everything and everyone. It is in Christ that you, once you have heard truth and believe the message of your salvation, you found yourselves home free, signed and sealed and delivered by what? The Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming, a reminder that we will be given everything God has planned for us, a praise and glorious life. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you every time I prayed. Amen. And so in this letter, we learn to the Ephesians church that the apostle was rejoicing with them and admonishing them to know that now that they have received the Holy Spirit, now that the Holy Spirit has come into their life, that they will be able to live a life more abundantly. And that is something that all of us can obtain. You don't have to have a million dollars to have peace and contentment. You don't have to have a model. You don't have to have a basketball player, a rich man, a poor man, a poor woman, a rich woman to be happy in this world. But in order to be satisfied in this world, you're going to need your relationship with God restored and you're going to need the Holy Spirit. These are two things that you cannot live without. Right now, things may seem really scary for a lot of us. It looks like we have no hope or no future, and people are really doing havoc on the emotions and the mental well-being of society. And most of the havoc that is being done is by leaders that we have chosen with our God belly. Leaders that we have put in place with the God of our belly are now tormenting us or doing evil against us as a people. And the only way we'll be able to choose an effective leadership for our countries, an effective leadership for the churches of God and for our families is if we allow the Holy Spirit to have its way in our lives by adhering to the word of God. So I encourage you all today that you will take the time out to examine your personal life. Examine the development of your ministry. Examine the fruit that your ministry has brought forward. And if it does not line up with the word of God, I encourage ministers and Christians alike to repent. This is the time to come back home, not to the church, but come back home to the Word of God. Return and make the Word of God your driving force. Make the Word of God your appetite. 
and be filled with the Holy Spirit. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we're going to bring this to an end, and we pray that it has encouraged you all in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for this time that you have given us as we have been in the threshing floor learning how to overturn the God of our bellies. We thank you for this three-part series that you have given unto us, and we do not take it lightly. As ministers, as Christians, as believers, Father, we pray one for another that we may be healed, that those that have made bad decisions who are struggling in their life to make it through those decisions, we ask and we send forth your Holy Spirit, Lord, to comfort them and to bring them back to total dependency upon you. Father, we pray for the fathers. We pray for our leaders, the pastors, the apostles. We pray for those who are government officials. And we pray for the hearts of your people to make you Lord of lords and King of kings. We pray that you create in us a clean heart, O God, and that you renew a right spirit within us, which is your Holy Spirit. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us, and do visit us again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.